This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Being a Christian is so awesome. You know you don't ever have to be bored. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. It's like becoming a parent almost. You know, I don't want to diminish the thing about being a Christian, but once you have children, you're never bored another day in your life, right? How many parents can attest to that? Sometimes you think, oh, Lord, I would love to have a boring moment. I think I prayed that twice. Yeah. But anyway, you never, ever get bored. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, I'm really excited about this message tonight because it's one of, the, my, one of my most favorite messages that I give to people because I love to see people win. And I hate seeing people lose. But usually when people lose, guess whose fault it is? It's their own fault. It's not God's fault. You know, it's not your neighbor's fault, your parents' fault, you know, the president's fault. It's nobody's fault. It's your fault. A lot of times people blame the, the devil, you know, but a lot of times it's even the devil's fault. It's your fault. And so um, I want to do everything I can tonight to help you to see how God can get you through to victory in your life. Amen. Not just one time, but over and over and over again. Does that mean that storms are never going to arise in your life? No. You know, the word says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. But it also says, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. So how many is all? All is all, right? Amen. 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 Okay. So my sermon title tonight is, will you make it to the other side? Will you make it to the other side? So let's open up our Bibles to Luke chapter 8. I'm in the King James tonight. And we are going to read uh, Luke chapter 8 starting at verse 22. And we're going to read down to verse 26. If I can get all my papers out of here that are in my way. Luke 8. 22. Y'all there? Okay. Now it came to pass on a certain day that he, meaning Jesus, went into a ship with his disciples and he said unto them, Let us go over unto the other side of the lake. And they launched forth. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. And there came down a storm of wind on the lake and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we perished. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said unto them, Where is your faith? And they, being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, What manner of man is this? For he commands even the winds and water, and they obey him. And they arrived at the country of the the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. So, I'm going to liken this to your life and little uh, faith adventures that your life is on. Okay? So, Jesus said in verse 22, we are going to the other side. So, what's the destination? The other side. Okay. What he didn't say was, I plan on going to the other side of the lake, but I don't know if we're going to be able to make it or not. Did Jesus say that? No. He didn't say, I'm afraid of the unknown. 
There may be sharks, sharks in the water. That may be fresh water. I don't know what lake they're in. Or maybe the Loch Ness Monster's out there. Maybe we shouldn't go on this little journey. Maybe we shouldn't do that. He didn't say that. He didn't even say, what if we have boat problems? You know, Peter could have broken an oar or something. I mean, who knows? You know, they didn't have motorboats back then. You know, maybe a sail would have, would have broken. I don't know what kind of boat they were in. But note, note number one for your notes is that Jesus said, let us go over unto the other side of the lake. He had a plan, and he spoke the plan out of his mouth. He didn't keep it to himself. Jesus had a plan. He spoke it out of his mouth. The disciples that were with him knew the plan because Jesus made the plan known to them, correct? So, note, note number two for you is, they did what Jesus said. It says, it says in, uh, it says in verse 22, the last verse there, it says, they launched forth. So Jesus said, we're going to the other side. So they did what Jesus said and they started to go to the other side of the lake. Jesus didn't say, oh, I want to go to the other side of the lake, but I don't think we can make it. Jesus didn't fret and stew. He had a plan. He had an action. And he was going to go with that plan. Amen. And then number three, Jesus rested. So sometime in your little journey, I mean, you know, I don't know what your journey is. There's all kinds of journeys that you're going to take in life. All kinds of faith journeys. Some of them are short and some of them are very long. But the bottom line is, on your journey, things are going to arise, but you can't fret and stew over them. If God has given you a word in your heart, and you know that you are on a God trip, that he has sent you somewhere, he's doing something with your life, you know, da-da-da-da-da-da, you know of a surety that it doesn't matter what comes down the pike, that you will make it to the other side if you don't quit. Amen. If you don't quit. So in the middle of this whole thing, in verse 23, as they're sailing across the lake here, Jesus fell asleep. And then there came a great storm of wind on the lake, and the boat started filling up with water, and they were in jeopardy. So it kind of sounds like a dangerous situation, right? Well, you know, why did Jesus fall asleep? Anybody got a clue? Why in the world didn't he fall asleep? Why did he fall asleep? He already knew the end of the game, right? He already knew because he said out of his mouth, we are going to the other side. So when a little storm arises, he's not moved. You know, hey, he was sleeping, you know, through the whole thing. And they had to come and wake him up. Jesus, wake up. You know, don't you care that we're going to perish? Well, that wasn't perishing wasn't even in God's thinking. You know, it wasn't in Jesus is thinking that, hey, we're going to go on this little faith trip, but hey, we're not going to make it. We're going to perish right in the middle of this thing. And we're all going to drown and nobody will ever find us again and the Loch Ness Monster will eat us up. No, he didn't think that at all. Right? He knew exactly where he was going. Open up your Bibles to Psalm 37. Keep your place here because we'll be referring back here to uh, Luke chapter 8. But open up your Bible to Psalm 37 and let's look at verses 3 to 5. Oh, this is so good. <laughs> Psalms 37, 3 to 5 says, 
trust in the Lord. So he tells you to do something, right? So we are going to trust in the Lord that he has given us instructions in our life about something we are to do, something we're believing for, and we're going to trust him in it, okay? And do good, so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. You know, somebody said one time, yeah, the Lord, he gives you, you uh, your needs, you know, he gives you your needs, but he doesn't really give you your wants. But that's not true. He gives us the desires of our heart. In fact, God is so cool, this is what he does. I figured it out. He puts his desires in our hearts as if it's our desire. And we desire this thing, whatever it is. And then he brings it to pass. And then we say, oh, Lord, thank you for bringing that to pass. But it was his desire all along. Isn't that kind of cool of him? I think it's cool, but he wants all the glory. Verse 5 says, commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. So if he's telling you to go to the other side of the lake, to the other side of the end of your faith, then, um, you know, you need to trust him that if he told you to be on this journey, that he's going to see to it that you make it to the other side. Amen. But a whole lot of it depends on you. We're, we're in Psalms 37. Move down here to verse 23. I love this verse. It says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. You know, when we become believers, we think that we're doing our own thing, but not necessarily, unless we get, just, just get stubborn and rebellious. No, he orders our steps. It's not by chance or accident who crosses our path on a daily basis. Everything that we do is divinely appointed. We have divine appointments day in and day out, and it's up to us. Like Henry had a divine appointment at the gas station, getting one of those orange, whatever they are, he calls them. Is that that milk stuff? Oh, oh, okay. All right, iced tea for me. (laughs) Hallelujah, I don't want any of that stuff, but that's okay. I'm glad you like it, Henry. But, you know, like... Henry was in the right place at the right time. Why? Because the Lord orders his steps. While the Lord orders your steps too. He orders my steps. If we're believers, steps of the Lord, our steps are ordered by the Lord. And we can delight in his way and he can delight in our way. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay. So in verse 23, whoa, back to uh, Luke chapter 8. In verse 23, this storm arrives, arises in the middle of their little faith journey here. The boat gets filled with water and danger has arisen. So you may notice this, that when you're on your little faith journey, the devil doesn't like it a lot of times. And he's going to throw a distraction in your way. Now, the distraction is to get you off of the word and off of getting to the end result where God wants you to be. That's the devil. That's why he does these little distractions. It can be anything or everything that he uses against you. But you've got to be smart enough to realize, aha, you know, light bulb goes off me. It's the devil who's come in to try to keep me from going to the other side. It could be financial issues. It could be marriage issues. It could be kid issues. It could be job issues. Any any issue, you know, arguments, 
family feuds, whatever you want to go, you know, say, the Lord, the devil will cause something to happen at least once in your faith journey. But you will be smart if you keep going. I did this sermon in Indiana uh, years ago. David, Pastor David, you might remember this. And I really wanted to do it this time, but I didn't because we have new carpet. So I had this guy, one of our young men came up and I had a, he was supposed to be in a boat. And I put a yellow raincoat on him. And I said, okay, now, Tim, your job, you're on this faith. You're supposed to get to the other side of the lake. So I want you to row and just keep rowing and just keep rowing and just keep rowing and just keep rowing. And just keep rowing. The whole time I'm preaching, I want you just rowing. So here this guy is. He's just rowing and rowing and rowing. And I get to this point. And I said, and then all of a sudden, the devil raised his ugly head. And I had a bucket there. And I threw it on him. And it was full of water. He thought it was confetti, but it was water. And what happened? He stopped rowing. I said, Tim, you stopped rowing. The name of the devil's game is to get you to stop rowing. You know, he'll use a bucket of water in the face. He'll use whatever he wants to. But I said, Tim, you keep rowing. You know, you stopped. That's the devil's whole scheme against you when you're getting to the other side of your journey. And whatever it is, he's got you going through because you're not going to be on just, well, you will be on a major journey in life, but you're going to have a lot of little journeys. It's to get you to stop rowing. Amen. What happens when you stop rowing? You lose momentum. You get your eyes off on the storm. You get your eyes off on the distraction. You get your eyes off on the decoy. Whatever it is that the devil's thrown in your, in your face to get you to stop on the faith journey that he has given you. Man. The more you mature in the Lord, the more you're going to realize that devil doesn't like you, that's tough. Jesus loves you, so what? But the devil is going to try to stop you. And when you realize that whatever problem it is that's that's showing its ugly face in your life as you're going along your way, minding you're in God's own business, you can't stop to get looking at the distraction. You know, they have magicians that do sleight of hand. They're doing something over here, but they've got you over here. They've got the, you know, the, the slightly clad lady over here so that all the fellows are looking at her, but over here he's doing something different. You know what I mean? It's a decoy from the devil to get you off of your journey and onto what the devil wants you to be doing, to stop you in his tracks. Look at John, well, John 10, 10. Many of you can quote it, but some of you are new and you may not know how to quote John 10, 10 yet. So let's go to John 10, 10. Pastor calls this the dividing line of the Bible. John 10, 10, and I'll tell you why in a minute. Okay, John 10, 10, King James says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. And Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So what's the devil's job? Who's the thief? The devil, right? So what's the devil jo- devil's job? Steal, kill, destroy. Steal, kill, destroy. That's his job. What's Jesus' job? Life and that more abundantly. Right. So sometimes if you're going through something in life and you think, man, I don't know if this is from God or if this is from the devil, 
uh, you make yourself a little piece of paper like I like to do. Just fold my paper in half and I have one side. Stealing, killing, destroying, abundant life. Put a line there. Put the devil on one side, Jesus on the other. And it should be real easy for you to figure out, is this from Jesus or is this from the devil? Right? Some stuff's obvious. Is cancer from God or the devil? Devil. Car accidents. Loss of job. Marital problems. Da-da-da-da. Although you may have a play in that, maybe you're a complete and total jerk. And I'm not talking about men. I'm talking about women. I told you I'm writing this book. And Joshua, wherever he's at, I want it back. He's got it. And he's not even in here for me to tell him, Joshua, I want my book back. It's called Women. They Can Make You or Break You. And it gets on women's cases. Big time. Because... Women are the keepers of the home. Where we're supposed to set the, the tone of what goes on in our family, you know, and, and it's really good. It helps, you know. Think about think about this. I'm this is off topic. Think about lately in the news. You've got women coming back 20, 15, some odd years blaming men for stuff. Well, is that something new? Heavens no. I mean, maybe it happened. I don't know. But think about Potiphar's wife. You ever think about Potiphar's wife? Now, here was Joseph, sold into slavery by his brothers back in the book of Genesis. And uh, he's a slave, but this guy, he's so anointed, he just keeps rising to the top. So he ends up in Potiphar's house. Potiphar was the, you know, the, the president, king, whatever he was. And so his wife starts to seduce him in the palace. Of course, Potiphar's not around. And so Joseph, being the awesome man of God that he was, kept resisting her advances. Well, it made her mad that he re- that he resisted her advances. And so she ripped her shirt one day and started screaming, Joseph has tried to rape me. Joseph has tried to rape me. Well, he ends up in prison. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I am I am all for if women have been abused, but I am not for lying people that are paid to lie just to make people lose their jobs. And another point I have is aren't people innocent until they're proven guilty? And all of a sudden, they're firing everybody. How about let's have some cases. Let's have some court cases. Find out, is it, did this really happen? Or are we just saying some word to somebody, you know, that's over here trying to destroy somebody's life? I mean, hey, I don't know. Boy, wasn't that off topic? Woo! Hallelujah. But that could be something that would arise in somebody's life, God forbid. You know, something like that. Hallelujah. Okay. Let's look at Psalms 34:19, And then we're going to flip back over to uh, Luke chapter 8. Psalms 34:19. Already, I have quoted this for you earlier, but this is the this is the address of it. it. Says, "Many are the afflictions of the righteous," and this is this verse, so you'll know where it's at. But see the word "but," the Lord delivers him out of them all. If we're staying focused on Jesus, then He's going to deliver us out of everything that may come our way. You know, let's see, that scripture talks about, oh, God reduced the devourer for our sake. Yeah, we're tithers. Every tongue that rises against us in judgment shall be shown to be in the wrong. That's in Isaiah, right? Is that where the, Isaiah, that's in Isaiah. We can, we can come out victorious, and the truth about us can be made known. But we've got to make sure that we're following Jesus every single step of the way. Amen. So, again, Jesus said in verse 22, we are going to the other side of the lake. Amen. How many of you has Jesus ever given you something to do in your life? 
Okay, something like I said, some things are short, right? Some things are just little short journeys, and some things take a lifetime to accomplish almost. But you've got to keep your eye on, you know, if you have to get a big piece of poster board and write it on your wall and hang it somewhere where you see it every day, this is what Jesus called me to do, or this is the journey that I'm on now, whatever, and keep it out there and just say say right on there, I will not be distracted. I will go to the other side. I will accomplish what God wants me to do. You need to do that sometimes. So anyway, uh, when the devil comes in and raises his ugly head, he tries to hinder your faith journey. He tries to postpone it. He tries to stop God's plan for your journey. Did any of this move Jesus? Was he moved? By the, by the storm that arose in the middle of his journey. Was he, was he moved by it? No. Why wasn't he? Why wasn't Jesus moved by the storm that arose? What? I can't hear you. He was full of faith. Yeah, he was full of faith. And he knew exactly what he was doing. You know, when you're on your little faith journey too... It helps for you to go to the Bible and find scriptures that pertain to what your faith journey is because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. If you get in here and you say, okay, uh, this is random. Jesus has called me to be a missionary to Nairobi, if there's even a Nairobi anymore. I don't know. That's a city, isn't it? Who knows? Who knows? Anyway, let's say that he calls you to be a missionary in Nairobi or something like that. Well, you need to, to, you know... Get it settled in your heart and have a desire to go. You know, he'll put the desire within you to go or something like that. But you've got to know, too, that if Jesus has given you this journey that you're supposed to go to Nairobi, or even, let's say, Nicaragua. Let's say you want to go to Nicaragua in September. Well, that's a little faith journey, right? So what's, what's usually the main stumbling block is, block is finances? Well, so are you going to let, let a, a, the money stop you from doing what the Lord has put on your heart to go to Nicaragua? You know, are you going to see this is an example of a little faith journey. You know, it's not far away. It's in September. Well, you know, you can start believing God for the money now that you're going to be able to go to Nicaragua when the, when the group goes. It costs, what, a couple thousand dollars, give or take? Something like that, less than that. So, you know, you've got to start releasing your faith now. You know, as you put in your missions offering, you know, you say, Father, I'm sowing seed for my missions trip to Nicaragua. You know, so you need to start doing stuff like that. So... What if you lose your job in the middle of your believing to go to Nicaragua? So what? Isn't that a distraction from the devil to keep you from getting where you want to go? Can't God get you another job? Can't God supernaturally supply all of your trip needs to go? Amen. I'm going to give you an example. SMTI, Bible College. A lot of times people say, man, I really want to go, but I don't have the money. I say, you sign up anyway. And, you know, I have so many people that come to me and they'll say, you know what? I want to I want to pray for so and so's uh, SMTI this year. I've got somebody that's paying for two people to go to SMTI this year, two people. And then I've got somebody else that was having problems re- recently, and somebody comes up to me, Mrs. Pastor, I'll pay for their mo- this month. Somebody else came up, I'll pay for their next month. You know, what's money? Duh. You know, it, you need to learn how to release your faith and call that money in. You know what I'm saying? You need to call that money in. So that's. That's part of a faith journey. Like somebody going to SMTI, that's a faith journey. 
You know, you got to commit yourself that I'm going to do this for nine months. I'm going to be there. I'm going to do the homework. I'm going to study for the test. I'm going to da 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 da. I'm going to pay the bill. You know, but God will help you do all that. See, that's just an example of a, of a little bit of bitty thing. In verse 24, I want you to notice this. Back to Luke chapter 8, verse 24. Let's see. <laughs> so the disciples become afraid, right? In the middle of this, this ship, rope, you know, this little uh, uh, trip on the boat here, they get afraid because of the wind and all this kind of stuff in the water, and they're saying, we perish. So what happened to their faith? What did they get off doing? What? Well, they stopped. Yeah, right. Thank you, Henry. They stopped rowing. So why did they stop rowing, you think? The storm arose, right? They became afraid, right? Did they forget that Jesus told them we're going to the other side? Do you think they forgot that? So they're in the middle of a, of a, a, a turmoil thing right here, right? And they completely forget about what Jesus said that, that they were going to do. Amen. Isn't that ridiculous? They, they looked at the circumstances. They felt the wind. They saw the water entering the boat. And they felt the toss and the turning of the boat. Amen. But, but another thing that you need to write down is, number one, let's go over this. Jesus said, Jesus did, Jesus rested, the devil comes, and then uh, Jesus brings comfort and peace to the situation. Okay? So, if Jesus hadn't have gotten up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters, they would have perished because of their words alone. Because remember, we have, we have, we, we create with our words. We release our faith with our words. And so the disciples who are with Jesus like 24-7, you know, see his miracles, all this kind of stuff, all of a sudden they're saying, we are going to perish. Well, hasn't Jesus taught them that you have power in your words? So if Jesus hadn't have intervened in the situation and woken up from his nap and calmed the seas and all that kind of stuff, they would have perished because what they said out of their mouth. So what are you saying out of your mouth? Let's go back to the Nicaragua example. I will never be able to go because I will never be able to raise that kind of money. I'll never be able to go to SMTI because where am I going to get the money? You know, your father owns a cattle on a thousand hills. And like I like to sing, and all the potatoes underneath those hills, you don't think God's got some money that he can get to you through somebody? Now, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not advocating that you be a... Uh, give me a nice word, Pastor Dave. A leech that sucks money out of everybody all the time just because you want to do something. You need to learn how to have faith yourself. Amen? I like what Dr. Summer, Dr. Summer used to say. So many people are going around for... Believe in God for a donut, and they don't even have faith for the for the for the hole in the middle, you know. <laughs> yeah, Hallelujah, praise God. Okay. So in our faith journeys, we must always remember to stay focused on the goal ahead. Okay, the journey ahead. This is our destination. We're getting focused on this. We need to get it ingrained in our spirits. What Jesus said to do to begin with, you know. What Jesus said to, to do to begin with. Okay, when, not if, the devil raises his ugly head in your journey, you better call on Jesus because sometimes we do need to be fortified. You know, you'd be stupid not to call on Jesus and, and just let the thing sink and you're going glub, 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 you know. 
So what happened in verse 24? The wind and the seas obeyed him and there was calm. And Jesus says to them in verse 25, where is your faith? Because like I said, they were with Jesus 24-7. They were with him all the time. They saw him day in and day out. They saw how he operated. They saw the miracles he did. They saw everything that Jesus did. And so he's saying to them, where's your faith? So you think Jesus was pleased with their lack of faith? When he's saying, where's your faith? He didn't sit there and say, hey, I understand, you know, you guys didn't quite get it, you know, blah, blah, blah. No, he's, he's kind of rebuking them. Where's your faith? So what's the big deal? Where is your faith? Why didn't you believe me when I said we are going to the other side? Why didn't you believe me when I said that? So he kind of gets on their, on their, uh, on their case. So here's an error that they did. Listen to this. In verse 25 it says, and they being afraid wondered, saying one to another. They began talking amongst themselves. I got news for you. It's great having brothers and sisters in the Lord, but sometimes you just need to talk to Jesus. You know what I'm saying? You need to get off this chit-chatting to one another. What do you think? You think we're going to drown? What do you think we're going to do? Oh, I'm so afraid. This isn't going to work out. You know, all this other junk that people say. You know, hey, you need to, you need to go straight to Jesus and, and talk to him. It doesn't matter what the opinion of others is. They don't count. Sorry, everybody, but hey. When Jesus says something and you're contradicting what Jesus says, you don't count. Jesus is the only one that counts, and his word is what's count, what does count. So what does Jesus have to say? And stay focused on that, okay? So has Jesus given you any authority for your faith journey? Yes. Someone said, absolutely, Jesus has given us authority for our faith journey. Okay, so we need to utilize it. So let's look up Matthew 18, 18 and see what Jesus said about this. I think it is so cool that, the, uh, that we have authority over Satan. He thinks he's so smart. You know, but once you become a born-again Christian, and you know that you've got the power of the Lord Jesus Christ in your mouth, you know, and all you have to do is say, Satan, I bind you in the name of Jesus. Guess what? It's the name of Jesus that paralyzes him and binds him and keeps him from moving. And you've got to learn how to use that name. Matthew 18, 18 says, As Jesus said, Verily, which means truly, as if Jesus had to say, I'm telling you the truth. I say unto you, whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you loosed on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And the Amplified Bible says, what is already forbidden and unlawful in heaven must be already forbidden and unlawful on earth. So, you know, you, you say, is, is it lawful in heaven for the devil to raise his ugly head? Is it lawful for the devil to do that in heaven? Didn't he get booted out of heaven? Didn't Jesus boot him out of heaven? So it's not lawful for the devil to operate in heaven. Well, if we bind him on earth, you know, for whatever it is he's trying to pull, then he's bound. He can't operate. All of of Satan's plans, all of his things that he's trying to pull on you to get you from not fulfilling God's plan for your life, you can take authority over. And you can say, Satan, you're not doing it. You know, I bind you in the name of Jesus. So you need to know that scripture. Flip over to Matthew 28. And Jesus says in uh, verses 18 through 20, this is so cool. 
And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power. Did he say some power? He said all power. All power is given to me in heaven and in earth. And so he says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always into the end of the earth. So if you look at this like this, you ever heard of a power of attorney? Anybody ever heard of a power of attorney? So Jesus has given us the power of attorney right here. He said, all power is given unto me. You go, therefore. You use my name. So we've got the power that Jesus has given to us. Are we wimps? Are Christians little bitty wimps that, oh, devil, don't beat up on me. And, oh, God, tend to the devil for me. No, God said, you tend to the devil because I have given you all power in my name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, both in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. Amen. And every tongue that shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We've got the power. We do not have to be defeated in anything. Now, you may go through some hellacious things. You know, Pastor and I, I could write a book on all the junk we went through. But you know what? God used the junk that we went through so that we could learn how to walk in love with people. Because the stuff that was done to us years past, we had to walk in love and forgiveness with those people. How else could we pastor a church? We went through horrible poverty times. We didn't have welfare, none of the above, because Pastor had a brand new... Uh, Delta Royale diesel Oldsmobile that was a lemon and the transmission blew and the motor blew in it so it sat in our driveway brand new car nice shiny thing you know making pay- trying to make payments on it so pastor got lost his job so we went to get food stamps we couldn't get food stamps because we had this expensive car sitting in our yard it wasn't going anywhere it wasn't doing anything so guess what? We had to learn how to believe God for food. We didn't have food stamps, folks. We had to believe God for food. We had to believe God for the roof over our head. We had to believe God for everything. This is when we were living in this nasty house. One of many. This nasty house. <laughs> and uh, that, that expensive, shiny car was sitting out there in the driveway, not going anywhere. And... There were 600 cattle around us. We lived in the, on the country, and there were 600 cattle around us. And Pastor looked out the window, and he said, Lord, those cattle are eating better than we are. And the Lord spoke to his heart, and he said, Unless you pray now for the abundance of all things before you see the abundance of all things, you will never have the abundance of all things. Let that sink in. That's a scripture somewhere pastor would know where it's at, but I don't. But we have to praise the Lord for stuff, even though we don't have the stuff. See what I'm saying? You know, uh, David, he was just a little fella. Joshua was a little bitty fella. But you know what? We never went out with a meal. We weren't eating flaming young or nothing nothing like that. But I was thinking the other day, what did we, what'd you kids live on mostly? It was mac and cheese and hot dogs and tuna fish. There you go. That's about it. That's about it. And then, you know, if you went to school, I paid for your school lunches just so you'd have a good meal. But sometimes you have to learn how to believe God for stuff. 
If you never have to learn how to believe God for stuff, guess what? You're never going to know how to believe God for stuff. Amen? So all the junk that Pastor and I went through in life, you know, we could sit here and share war stories for a while, but I'm not going to do that, taught us how to believe for food, how to believe for this, how to believe for that. That's how come we know how to believe for stuff. We got in the Word. God, what does your Word say about this? And we would, you know quote that word and all that kind of stuff. And we learned how to walk in love and forgiveness with people that were out to completely destroy us. And so, you know, so sometime in your faith journey, it depends on, and sometimes people say, boy, you must have a call in your life because, boy, you've got to do you some stuff. And I thought, well, damn here. You know, I didn't want to hear that. But it is kind of the truth. You know, the, more, the higher the call in your life, if anybody in here is called to the fivefold, you're going to have to learn how to believe God for some stuff. Amen. Because that's just the way it is. And sometimes the stuff that you think ought to be at your house isn't at your house and you're going to have to believe God for it. So that when you do pastor a church or whatever it is you're going to do, that you know how to believe God for the funds. I have no idea. When I think about this church, when we took over this church, it was a mess. The money that was going that that was due on this place was, I think the mortgage payment was like five thousand dollars a month on this place. The electricity in the summer was like three thousand dollars. We didn't get paid most of the time, but you know we didn't even care. You know why? Because we knew how to believe God for money and such like that. You know it didn't it didn't bother us. But when I look back on I refinanced the mortgage a couple three times. But when I look back on all of that, I think God, how did you even see see us through that? But you know what? It was the grace of God because we knew that we were going, we knew God called us here. So God's not going to call us here to take over a church that's 40 some odd years old if God's planning on it failing. You know what I'm saying? No. God called us here because He trusted us that we could come to this place and we could believe God for the finances for this place. That we could believe God that he was going to send people, you know, and that God was going to do something great at High Desert Word Center. And God is doing something great at High Desert Word Center. But you know what? If we had given up and moved back to Indiana, you know, would we have seen the end of our faith here? No. We wouldn't have seen what God wanted to do here if we had given up. So we don't quit. You don't quit. Amen? We are not quitters. Okay. So Jesus had a plan. He set out to fulfill that plan to go to the other side of the lake. He did fulfill that plan. That faith journey came to an end. They did go to the other side of the lake. So that faith journey ended. So let me look at... um, Verse 26 says they arrived at the at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. So they arrived at their destination. So in your life, you're going to have faith walks, okay, or faith journeys that the Lord is going to send you on. When see this faith journey ended, you understand what I'm saying? They didn't need faith to get to the other side of the lake anymore because they made it to the other side of the lake. So they that faith ended. They didn't that faith journey ended, okay? So. Um, Sometimes, like I said before, there's short faith journeys and sometimes there's long faith journeys that you're going to be on. You're going to find yourself on many journeys in life. 
the question is this. Now, is, is the journey or journeys that you are on, are they ordained by God? Or is your, the journey that you're on just something that you've concocted yourself? Very important question. Are you on a God journey or are you on a self journey? What kind of journey are you on? If you're finding yourself out in the middle of your journey, rowing on your own, in your own plans, purposes, and pursuits, then maybe you should abandon your little self-journey and get on a journey where Jesus is involved. You know, and only you can answer that question. Are you on a God journey or not? Now, there is a journey that we must all take. It's getting from the born-again part, when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, to when we die and go to heaven, and he hopefully says to us, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Instead of saying, well, you're done. You know, the choice is up to us how we're going to answer that question. But you know what bothers me is that in the the book of Genesis, you know, there was Adam and Eve, and uh, God told Adam, you know, you're not supposed to eat of this tree. You know, that whole Adam and Eve thing wasn't the wife's fault. It was Adam's fault because he didn't tell his wife, you know. So he wasn't taking authority over his garden. And he let the devil come in and and, uh, mess with his wife. And so she ate of the fruit. And God says to them, you will surely die. They had no idea what die was. Did they drop dead instantly? No, they lived for hundreds of years. But they died kind of spiritually. So... I, you know, as being a pastor, I know a lot of stuff. I see a lot of stuff. So many people, they aren't making it from the, I got born again to the end of when they, when they live their life out and they serve Jesus. They're not making it. They've quit midway. I mean, I could name you names right now, what I've seen this year. Breaks my heart. Because why are they quitting? You know, what hell are you going to go back to? Hell number one, number two, number three. Hell, hell, hell's hell. The life you were living was pure hell. So why in the world would you go back and, and to that vomit and relive that life again? Why would you do that? When you came to the house of the Lord, when you worshipped with us, when you received the word with us, when you served with us, and then all of a sudden you fall for something, some stupid that the devil's put in your path, and where are you? Where did they go? You know, where are they? I, uh, uh, too many don't make it. You know, and it, and it breaks my heart because I don't even want one not to make it. But too many don't make it. This is what happens. Offenses arise. In Mark chapter 4, I won't go there tonight, but in Mark chapter 4, it talks about the things that come in and choke out the word in people's lives. You know, the word is sown into their hearts and some receive it gladly and they're so happy. And then persecution arises for the word's sake, the Bible says. They're thrown off course in the middle of their their trip across the lake. And they quit. They quit. They leave the pastor. They leave the sheepfold. They leave you and I. They go off on their own stupid thoughts in the way that they think life should be. And they make themselves God. My way is better than God. Who does God think he is? God, don't touch my sin. I like my sin. Leave my sin alone. I will live my sinful life. And God, I don't care. 
about you at all. I'm going to live my sinful life. That's pathetic. And then a lot of times people go off and they blame others for their stupid mistakes. You know, how many of you have ever known somebody like that? You got a kid that, you know, you got a kid that gets in trouble at school and, you know, these uh, blessed parents, they go in there and say, well, it's the teacher's fault. You know, well, it's not the teacher's fault, it's your fault because you're a lousy parent. But, <laughs> sorry, I get a little real sometimes. Or they'll say it's the superintendent's fault or it's the principal's fault or it's the, the policeman on the corner. It's his fault that they, that they caught my kid doing something that he shouldn't have been doing and they put him in jail. It's his, it's, it's, it's their fault. No. You know, it comes to the point where you gotta blame yourself for some of your stupid stuff. It's not God's fault. It's your fault. You know, and until you fess up and you go to the Lord and say, Lord, that was my fault. I did that. I'm the one that made the mistake. Lord, forgive me. Help me to make it right. Help me to go ahead and get it back on the path that I'm supposed to be on so that I can get to the other side of this faith journey that you've got me on. And, you know, somebody told me the other day about somebody who was coming to church. I'm not naming names. But this person decided that because of something she was listening to on the Internet, God doesn't say, you know, I listen to these folks on the Internet. He says, come to your local church, have a local pastor. But she decided that her race was far superior than the rest of the races. And I thought to myself, you idiot. I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to say a word. Bird. What do you see when I say the word bird? What kind of bird do you see, Pastor Dave? You see a cardinal, because we're from Indiana and we like cardinals. And you probably think cardinal too, because you're from Ohio and they have cardinals. What, what other bird do you think? What color bird do you think? A what? A Tweety bird. Yeah, a yellow bird. Okay, what about you, Monica? What do you think? Those old sparrows. Okay, you think of a sparrow. Okay. Uh... We don't have a whole lot of pretty birds around here, but a robin is a pretty bird. Um, cardinals are red. Hummingbirds. You know, there's all kinds of birds. So when you say race, what do you think of? It doesn't matter what you think of because God's the creator. He didn't make just one bird. He didn't make just one little brown bird. He didn't make just one little red bird. He just didn't make one little tweety bird, you know, a little yellow bird. Yellow finches are, are yellow. He didn't make something like that. He made all the races, and nobody is better than anybody else. Right? So this person decided that they are from the superior race, and I'm thinking, you are a blooming idiot. And Well, sorry, but I do say things like that sometimes. And I thought to myself, God didn't say that. God's the creator. If you notice, he creates everything different because it gives him such great pleasure. You know, think about this. I think about this. When you look at people, some people have straight black hair. Some people have curly black hair. Some people have red hair, like Curtis has beautiful red hair. Some people have blonde hair. Some people have, you know, their hair turns gray and white. Isn't that nice? God likes that because he's a creator. He creates stuff. You know, that's his job. He did, he, he did that. He created all this kind of stuff. So that, does that mean that just because you have dark hair and my hair is blonde that, that uh, 
I'm better than you or you're better than me. No. It just means that we're all different. So I thought to myself about this, this woman. I thought, you know, you're not making it to the other side. You drown in the middle of the lake. And, you know, there's other people you know, I could give examples about, but that is so pathetic to me. So if you're on, the, on a faith journey, you need to seek the Lord as to what journey or journeys he has for you because you are uniquely different. Amen? One clue is this. If you think, oh, I don't know what my journey is. What is the desire of your heart? What do you see yourself doing? What, what, do you, what do you cry out for? You know, what is that kind of desire that you have? What is it that you desire to do to accomplish in your life? What is it? That's a clue. Is, is it in line with the Word of God? You know, like if you really desire to rob the bank, hey, pal, God's not in that with you, you know, you're just going to, that's not too cool. Um, is it, it is one that's been on your heart and doesn't go away. Because God's desires for your life and God's plans for your life, they don't go away. You know? Is it one where you need direction, guidance, and instruction? You want this journey, but you you know, you don't know where to start. You don't know how to get from here to there in your journey that the Lord has told you to do. But if we could make this journey on our own, then we wouldn't even need God, would we? We wouldn't even need Him. But we need God. We need to get on the road that he has us on. We need to stay on the road that he has us on. It doesn't matter what arises in the midst of our journey with God. We're going to recognize, Satan, you're a liar. You're defeated. I'm going on with God. And you're going to get to the end of your faith journey, right? Amen. Okay, let's look at... Let's, uh, I, want to, I want to look at one more scripture, then we'll close for the night. Isaiah 49:16. I hope this has helped you tonight because... I don't want you to give up in life. I don't want you to think, I don't want you to buy the devil's lies that you're a loser, that you'll never amount to anything, that my family never had any money. You know, stupid stuff. That's all excuses. No. God says you're somebody. Remember, I taught a message a while back ago on you're nobody till you're somebody in God anyway. So as soon as you become born again, hey, you become a, a, a child of the king. Hey, that makes you kind of royal stuff. Amen. Okay, Isaiah 49, verse 16 says this. Oh, this is so cool. Behold, I have engraven you or engraved you on the palm of my hands. See that? God has etched us in the palm of his hand. He's not going to tip it over and dump us out. He's not going to do that. He's got us engraved in the palm of his hand. The only thing that can happen to mess you up with God is if you willfully walk out of the palm of God's hand. You walk out of the palm of God's hand and you're on your own. It's like Pastor Dave was talking about this morning. You get out from underneath God, hey, you're on your own. You're at the mercy of the devil and he has none. Right? So, in Jesus' name, I want you to remember these things. Jesus said, he'll say something to you to do in your heart. Do it. Start working on it. He'll help you with it. Rest in your journey along the way. When the devil raises his head, recognize that the devil has raised his head. You know, Jesus will bring peace and comfort to the situation. You use your authority in the name of Jesus and bind Satan and he's not going to mess with your stuff. And guess what? You're going to arrive at the end of your journey. Amen. Anybody have an Amplified Bible in here? I have to read one more thing. I knew you would have an Amplified Bible. Okay.
This is my almost my favorite scripture in the whole wide world, if not the most favorite scripture in the whole wide world. I love this. Okay, you can write this down. It's going to be in uh, Amplified Bible back there, um, Jose. Uh, Hebrews 10. Okay, Hebrews 10, where are you? you got all kinds of stuff in your Bible. Okay, here we go. Verse 35, listen to this. This is so cool. Do not, therefore, fling away your fearless confidence, for it carries a great and glorious compensation of reward. Say reward. You'll receive a reward after you've done the will of God. For listen to this, verse 36. For you have need of steadfast patience and endurance. Now you're going to need some endurance to make this journey that you're on. So that you may perform and fully accomplish, carry out the will of God and thus receive and carry away and enjoy to the full what is promised. Verse 37, for still a little while, a very little while, and the coming one will come and he will not delay. Now, I relate this scripture, not to him coming in, you know, back to earth, but I relate this to him coming in my faith walk. You know, he's not going to delay. He's going to be there for me in my faith walk. Okay? Listen to this, 38. But the just shall live by faith. My righteous servant shall live by his conviction respecting man's relationship to God and divine things, and holy fervor, born of faith, and conjoined with it. Now listen to this. And if he draws back and drowns in the middle of the lake and doesn't make it to the other side and shrinks in fear, Jesus said, My soul has no delight in him. Now do you want Jesus to say, I don't have any delight in them. Do you want Jesus to say that about you? I don't want Jesus to say that about me. But listen to verse 39. But our way, say my way, is not that of those, say it with me, is not that of those who draw back to eternal misery, perdition, and are utterly destroyed. That's not our way. God doesn't want that to be your way. You don't have to fall for the devil's things so that you don't make it to the other side. Amen. But, now this is a group I choose to be in and I hope it's the group you choose to be in. We are of those who believe, who cleave to, trust in, and rely on God through Jesus Christ the Messiah and and by faith preserve our soul. Is that the company you want to be in? So the next time you're tempted to quit, don't. Amen? (laughs) All right. Hallelujah. All right. Let's stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.